in love with movies, in love, in love with movies. With Danny and Nick. Da da da. <laughs> you said that pretty thing, what do you just say? It's if I just spit so much. Coronavirus. Coronavirus. <laughs> hey, everyone. Welcome back to In Love With Movies. I'm Danny. And I'm Nick. And we're going to talk about some stuff today. How's that sound? I like stuff. Okay, cool. We're going to talk about like love and movies and that's it, I think. Um, so today... <laughs> it is pretty much, you know, the... The, that is the thing that we talk about on this podcast. Yes, 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 yes. Um, <laughs> Today's movie, stay tuned for later, is uh, Miss Congeniality, which is whew, one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, but first, we're going to talk about, you know, love and stuff. And today's topic, because it's Miss Congeniality, we were like, what's a, what's a good love topic? So it's about loving your true self. I originally poached it to Nick as... Uh, Poached it? You poached, poached it, it to me? <laughs> I don't know what word I was trying to say pitched. there. Pitched. <laughs> I think maybe pitched. Oh, so I poached it to Nick as um, just like not change it for no man. I literally have in my notebook written down what today's topic is. Loving your true self, a.k.a. not changing for no man. <laughs> yes! I love that you have that. Okay, yeah. So basically just... Loving who you are and having your partner love who you are because then otherwise maybe they're not the right partner, right? Yeah, it's probably a pretty good indication. Yeah. So, Nick, what do you what do you what what do you think of what I say? What it means to like love your true self? Oh, geez. All right, we're turning it right on me right away. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Because <laughs> I'm in charge of this episode, bitch. <laughs> well, uh, even though we said not changing for no man, uh, you know that just happens to be our cis-hetero uh, framing of things. So really, as you alluded to earlier, I would say, first off, it's like just the man doesn't have to change for the woman and the man doesn't have to change for his man. Uh, whoever your partner is, uh, non-gender binary, conforming, yeah, all that stuff. Your person. Your person, yeah. Don't change for your person. And we've been lucky. I think part of the reason we've talked about, and this is our own personal experience, we say again, disclaimer, this is not uh, us being experts, but we're pretty happy so far in our marriage. Yeah, um, it's, it's fine. It's, it's cool, early on yeah. yet, but uh, you know, it's going all right. <laughs> it's fine. You know, the relationship itself has been a little longer than that, and uh, that's also been going pretty well. Yeah, it's good. It's good. You know, you know. So uh, the big thing that stick out, sticks out to me is like you have encouraged me to sort of. Uh, so there's two things. The first one is like encourage me to feel more comfortable embracing my nerd self. I legitimately feel like. I probably would have never, like, only one of the person I can think of who was into video games as much as I was that I dated uh, is someone that I might have, like, also shared with them, like, video game stuff. But even then, like, I have gotten back into comic books or, like, have even tried Dungeons and Dragons for the first time in my entire life. Uh, and these things would probably not have been possible if it weren't for the fact that you have always just sort of accepted that fact about me and, and been very uh, in encouraging for me to be like, hey, if that's a thing that makes you, you know happy like do that thing it doesn't matter if it's you know geeky or whatever even though ironically you are quick to always remind me that uh i am not your type i was literally just gonna say that like nick is not my type <laughs> he's not the, the people the person that i thought i would end up with or go for back in the day um but i think a large part of the reason i love you so much is because you are so true to yourself and that you're so okay with just like yup this is what i like i like video games and Star Wars and comic books and using big words and <laughs> <laughs> uh, all those things. And I still love you for it anyways. 
That's that's fascinating for me to hear. I don't know. I'd be curious what our listeners out there, movie lovers, you should share with us on social medias. Like, what are your stories for that? Because I feel as though it was you who gave me the power to do that. But you're mm. saying that's a thing you saw in me that attracted you to me. So I'm like curious, you know, what chicken or egg situation, you know. Well, maybe the attraction gave me the power to give you the power. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Sorry, my brain just went off onto like tangents of like the power, the power of voodoo, who do you do, your mommy the babe. So, anyways, um, <laughs> also when you did that, Bing is staring at us, like about to pounce. He's just so cute. I can't stop looking at our cat sometimes. Okay, okay. Well, we'll, we'll, you can keep looking at him. I'm going to say what my second thing. Oh, okay, was. go 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 go. The second thing was, and, and, and I was reminded of this actually. We were talking to somebody the other day, uh, one of our friends who's like out there still trying to find love a little bit, and uh, they had an experience where someone ghosted them, and part of that was led to us talking about like, well, you know, it sucks and that hurts, but like that means that person's not into you, or like the idea of like. You're like, oh, I'm playing the game. Am I texting them too soon? Should I wait a whole week? Should I wait three days? How long do I give them? And one thing I remember us both talking about early in our relationship was we both just kind of were like fighting the urge to text the other person more frequently than we already were. Yeah, but I would argue that like that's another thing where we didn't change about each other is like we both had the desire to constantly be talking to the other person. And I think in society and in a lot of like the three-day rule stuff and all of that, people tell you that you shouldn't, like you should hold back your feelings or like essentially your true self of like wanting to talk and be with the other person. And in our relationship, we didn't do that. And that was that truly was the first time I've ever like not had to filter myself. And that really helped, I think, our relationship grow because we were able to just like be like, yep, we're both on the same page, and I'm not going to hide the fact that I want to talk to you. Like, why, First of all, why is that a bad thing? Why is society telling me that I have to wait three days to talk to you again? Um, so that's just really been <clears throat> helpful for our relationship. And out there, listeners, if you're looking for love still, I encourage you to say, screw you, society's standards. If you have a feeling or a thought or you want to do something, be yourself and talk to that person and say that thing to that person because you never know. It could turn out really great. And I would say the reason I was bringing it up for us is, yes, I think we were both true to our true selves. And this is the reason why you should love your true self, figure out who that is, and embrace it in a relationship. Because if you're the person who's just not the type of person in a relationship who needs to be talking to their partner on a regular basis or has that urge or desire to text the person, maybe early in a relationship you don't care and you really don't feel like texting the person back every you know, five hours and instead want to wait five days in between, you know, date one and date two. Like, that's fine. I don't think there's any problem with you being that person. I think the important thing is you be true to that person because it's not even a judgment call of like what you ought to do or what society's supposed to tell you to do, even though we, I think, all, largely in society make it that. All that matters is that you match with the other person. Like, mm -hmm. if, So if you are a person who wants to wait five days to talk to them and they're a person who's like, you haven't spoken to me in five minutes, this is a problem. That's not like that one person's doing something wrong. That just means that, cool, that's an early indicator in your relationship that maybe this isn't the best, you know, fit for either of you. Or you can figure out what works for both of you. If you want to make it work, you can make it work, but there might have to be compromises, you know? Totally agree. Um, yeah, so my perspective on loving your true self. Give it to me. As a woman. And, and don't make it, uh, you know, uh, sexual or anything like that. No. <laughs> As a woman... All my ladies out there probably know. And not just ladies, but, you know. People. Society's harder on women yeah, yeah, in general. Yep. 
it's very difficult to grow up and to date and to be with other people thinking that your whole self is okay. There's always something wrong with you. Like you're, I was saying this yesterday, you have too much cellulite on your thighs or your hair color or your hair length is wrong or just like something physically about you is wrong. And then that really bleeds into women thinking just they're not enough in general and like thinking, okay, if I like him, then that's wrong. Or if I show my true self, then that's wrong. And that's really freaking hard because for those of you who know me, and if you don't know me and you want to get to know me, I'm freaking hilarious. But I'm also kind of obnoxious and I... I uh, what? No, s- never. I'm going to smack you. <laughs> <laughs> um, have less of a filter. You know, I just... I also don't like have manners <laughs> or, you know... <laughs> I don't know. Fit into a mold. With your fingers. Yeah. yeah. Anything with with my fingers anyways. Uh, (laughs) I was thinking about cream cheese, sour cream, any dips. Yeah. Anyways, um, I don't fall into like what society says a quote, air quotes, woman should be or act like. That's why I do comedy. That's why I do things that are just like outside of quote, unquote, quote, unquote, quote, end quote, whatever. Uh, Ladylike stuff. My grandma always used to get mad at me because she was like, you're not a lady. And she would also say to me, you're fat. <laughs> so, you know, thanks, grandma, thanks, grandma. <laughs> for perpetuating uh, all that stuff. But yeah, so it's in the first place, it's very, very difficult as a woman in society to be to think that you are enough and to think that you are good enough to deserve someone to know your full self. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think when I met you. You really, it was like the first time that I felt like, I think be, right before I met you, I had made a decision like, if someone can't truly accept me for who I am, then why would I want to be with them? And then you just brought it out in me and like encouraging, like you like this, the dumb parts of me where I make weird faces and have six chins and um, do just weird, funny things. So you like encouraged the fact that like who I really am is okay. And you loved that anyways. And so I think it's even made me we've been together for like six years now, but at the beginning of a relationship, it made me just like come out of my shell way, way quicker than I would have. Minus the fact that you literally would not let me fart. I was wondering if this story would come up. I can't remember if we've shared this before on this podcast. Well, we got to share it again. It's a defining moment in our relationship. It was a defining moment in our relationship. Do you remember what I said? Do you you remember the exact phrasing? Yeah. So for a while I was trying to hold in my farts. (laughs) And Nick was like, I was telling him. I think most people do. Even even if you really are trying to be like your truest self with your partner, you're like not going to rip one on the first day. Yeah. Most of the time. (laughs) And so I would always like have to run to the bathroom (laughs) because my stomach hurt so bad. And I would tell Nick like, it's just because I have really bad gas and my stomach hurts. You wouldn't share with me that it was gas, actually. At first oh. in our relationship, it was just like, I was worried about you and your bladder and <laughs> your intestines because you had to go to the bathroom <laughs> so often. Anyways, and then I told, I think I eventually said, like, I just, you Month know. five. I don't, I'm scared to fart in front of you. And you said, yeah, because it will irrevocably. Irrevocably. <laughs> irrevocably. <laughs> Irrevocably change change our our relationship. relationship. And so for five whole months, I held in my farts the whole time because I was so nervous that he was going to break up with me. I was like, oh, no, this irrevocable change is is 
him like ending our relationship because of my gastrointestinal problems. M- meanwhile, I apparently that was a much meaner joke than I thought it's it was. Not but funny. it was a play on words because I was just trying to say like when you share that level of true self with me, that's a that's a deeper and more intimate <laughs> understanding of each other, and we won't be able to go backwards. Like we will now forever have a deeper understanding of each other. I saw that as like a good positive progress in our relationship, and I saw it as. Yo, this gonna change. This but is gonna I, be bad. And so I held it in for so long. And then five months into our relationship, I did I have hummus that day? I don't remember. I, but I remember you cooked for me. I yeah. remember it was like you had cooked for we me were, something. Right and then day. I just like, I was like, I can't, I can no longer hold it. My stomach was hurting so bad. And I farted. And Nick, <laughs> it really erupted. Eyes watering, room clearing. It was like Nick had his shirt over his nose for probably 20 minutes and I started crying because I was like, oh no, he just he's going to break up with me. And you were crying because you were laughing and because the stench was so bad. <laughs> and so it was like a good moment for us because I was like, I don't want this. I don't want to break up with you. And you're like, what? This just makes me love you even more. Yep. It was very cute. Um, but <laughs> I it, was, it was a Nick, defining moment in our early relationship. It was. And he was like, Man, this smells so bad. And I was like, that's because it's been inside me for five whole months. <laughs> and now we fart in the open all the time. And, and I said, never do that again because I'd rather have it, you know, parceled out in. Uh... Yeah, exactly. Just let it out as they come because otherwise. <laughs> so anyway, what, the, 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 I guess the moral of that story is. Please, early in the relationship, fart in front of your partner. Let it out. Be your true self. Yeah, because everybody farts. I don't know if you guys knew that, but they do. I I think I read a book about that once. Mm, I think that's called Everybody Poops. Oh, yeah, that's probably true. Yeah. Um, But just continuing on, moving forward, like it just makes me more confident in who I am because I know that you're going to love me no matter what. And so I think it helps me as a human just make be okay with making decisions for myself or just like being a strong woman and not having to worry like, oh, if I'm too much of myself or if I'm too much, period, that he's going to leave me. So. I mean, it hasn't cured that fear. That's just a deep-seated neurosis (laughs) that I have. But working on it. Yeah. But anyway, it does help me be whoever the heck I want to be. And you support whoever the heck I want to be. If that's a yogi, if that's a comedian, if that's Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. an educator, whatever it is. Uh You let me do it. Uh-huh. And you love me for it anyways. All the things. <laughs> All the things. Even if you were a never-want-to-doll-yourself-up, uh, gun-toting... Uh, no, 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 we can't. No. I was trying to allude to miscongeniality, but... Oh, okay. <laughs> if that was you, we would, we would still conversate, conversate about it. Anyway. Conversate. Conversate. Conversate about it. Yeah, so um, just to all of our listeners out there, embrace who you truly are because, first of all, life is short. We all know that. Um, And second of all, what's the point of being with someone who's not going to love you for the human that you are? And for me personally, and I don't don't know if you were trying to maybe put an end cap on that, so I apologize if I'm going to mess that up. But the Mm -hmm. one thing I did want to say, too, is uh, something I have been having to work on personally lately is is not identifying myself through external things, uh, including not identifying my... Uh, well-being or anything like that as defined by your happiness and your well-being, but also by uh, my faith or by uh, other morals or values or things that I think I ought to be behaving as. And, and I think you were the one who told, who quoted Glennon, Glennon's book to me. Yes? Mm-hmm. Do you want to 
summarize that? The touch trees? Yeah. <clears throat> so for those of you who are looking for a new book to read in this quarantine, um, Glennon Doyle is my favorite author, and she's written a lot of books, but her newest one, Untamed, I don't have the book anymore. I gave it to my mom, so I can't read it. But um, it's just her, like, it's just all of her feelings spilled out into words, and it's just very easy to read and very heartwarming, and it's just a true story of who she is, but it's so relatable, and she has tiny little chapters, and one is called Touch Trees, and it was talking about how she constantly, for years and years and years, and she talks about this in her book, is she had, like, a lot of drug problems, and, like, she was bulimic, and mental health issues growing up, anxiety, she still has anxiety, but um, she always tried to make her quote, touch tree, which is uh, something that you always come back to for safety. She was putting it in terms of watching like Survivor Man and how if you're lost in the woods, as long as you have a touch tree, you're good. You always come back to that. But her, for the longest time, touch trees were like, like you're saying, religion or her relationship with her husband. Spoiler alert, she's now married to uh, Abby Wombach, who is a female, her wife, who was on the Olympic soccer team, um, her kids, her role of being a mother. And it wasn't until she realized, like, she had to be her own touch tree. She had to root herself in herself that she was actually going to find true happiness and true peace. So I shared that with Nick because I know he was he was feeling the pressures of everything outside of him. Yes. And it helps you to, to ground yourself, to be like, I am my own touch tree, damn it. Yeah, and that's why I want to, like, I think that's a good message, too, for the idea of loving yourself, is figuring out, like... That it's okay for, you know, yourself to be the thing that's a touch tree. And, and listeners, if you are anything like me, you might be like, well, that's very selfish and, and things like that. And, and, I, and I hear you and I, and I agree with you in, in sort of its basic premise. But um, I think that it's important for us to, 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 we can still live up to our morals and we can still live our lives for other people. But still, uh, you know, love the person that we are just for being the person that we are without having to focus on like, what that person does or how they interact in, in the world too. Yeah. And touch trees, it doesn't mean like it's the only tree. It doesn't mean that tree doesn't need water and sunlight. It just means that that's like the grounding. I don't know. She didn't make this metaphor. I'm just trying to make it. It doesn't mean that I'm ignoring Nick as a source of happiness, but he shouldn't be like the sole source of happiness for me. It should be my rootedness in myself. And I like to think that since <laughs> I've been working on that and loving myself better, I've been better able to love you. Correct. So what else did you want to ha say about loving oneself? Just do it. Just do it. <laughs> there you go. With a Nike uh, <laughs> slogan at the end, just do it. Just love yourself. It's that simple. Um, I had a wise friend tell me recently, because I was not being super nice to myself. She said, would you say the things you just said to yourself to me? And I said, no, of course not. You're my good friend. And she's like, then why are you saying this to yourself? So just ladies and gents. And all other kinds, just treat yourself like you would your best friend. And if you're mean to your best friend, why are they, why are they still your friend? <laughs> treat yourself as if you would treat other people. And that's so, it's so much easier for some reason, especially for me, to be kinder and nicer to everyone else in this entire world and hate on me. But just look inward and say like, okay, best friend, I'm, I gotta live with you, self. You're the only person that's going to be with me for the rest of my life, guaranteed. So how can I be kinder to you? I like that. I like that. Yeah. All right. 
Well, before we move on to the uh, with movies portion of our podcast, we do have our next segment. What's the next segment, Danielle? I think it's called Closer Through Science. I always forget <laughs> what it's called. I don't know why. <laughs> I think it's called. <laughs> <laughs> is that what it's called? Yes. Okay. Yes. Closer Through Science. And what is close, Closer Through Science? Hashtag Closer Through Science. We're just going to ask each other a question and get closer. <laughs> Indeed, and uh, it comes through science because these questions, uh, listeners, if you are new, you will not know this. If you uh, are a long-time listener, we really appreciate you, and, and please forgive me for giving this explanation once again. Uh, the closer through science portion is these come from a scientific study in psychology that was done a number of years ago where they pitted strangers together and created intimacy by making them ask each other these sets of questions. So... Uh, listeners, we challenge you to get closer to your friends, your family members, uh, ask these questions to someone on a first date if you want to get to know them quicker and get to the point where you can fart in front of each other faster than ever. Uh, but we are going <laughs> to ask them of each other. Just one question today, right? We are, yes, we are going to, we've decided to prolong closer through science and therefore move into a point where we simply ask one question each, uh, each episode. So Danielle, yes. here's the question. Okay. If you could change anything about the way you were raised, what would it be? Dang, that's a deep question for me. Do you know what my answer is going to be? I do not, honestly. Oh, I I would prefer to have a father growing okay, up. Okay, fair enough. I should, I, I should have been able to predict <laughs> that. Yes, fair enough. Uh, yeah, I lost my dad when I was eight years old, and so I know this. that's like real deep and real dark, but... I would have preferred that not to happen, you know? He sure. passed away when I, I wasn't able to remember him. I don't remember him that much because I was young. And so I think I would like it different. <laughs> I think I would like to grow up having a father in my life. But, I mean, maybe I'm a stronger bitch because of it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Nick, same question. What would you change? What was it? What would you change about your childhood? What would I change about the way that I was raised? Um... I worry about both of our parents listening to this, but that's okay. We love you. We love you, and we love the way we were raised. Don't want to, you know, belittle that. Uh, I, I guess one thing I know I've said to people before is, because uh, we've talked before on this podcast about how you have helped me become more financially responsible, and mm. and uh, that I've had to learn some of that from you. My, especially my dad, but both my parents were were not always uh, as good at teaching uh, financial responsibilities. Uh, with their own behaviors every time. And so I guess like, you know, maybe a little bit more of not only their own behaviors, but also like, I think one thing I've used as an example is like maybe, you know, allowance or something like that is tied to tasks, you know, chores or things like that. I've heard families do. So it's like you kind of get used to early on in life. Hey, there's in order for you to get money, you have to do jobs, you know, and yeah, interesting. tying a little bit more, you know, to it. I think that I'm very grateful for the like, learning to deal with money and things like that. But like, I didn't have as much of appreciation for how it comes in uh, as I could have. So I think that's the one thing I changed. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Cause that was something that my mother ingrained in me a lot, but that's just because we didn't have money. Right. So like you were taught to, to use it sparingly. Yeah. And I know you, you, but even then, like, I don't remember what your allowance situation was. I didn't get allowance. Okay. So that's, that's what it was. But to be to. fair, I didn't do anything around the house. Well, and that's what I'm saying. It's like, I think that, it's good to give a child their own money to have to, like, learn how to use it. But also, I think the thing I would have done differently, because I got an allowance, uh, you know, just because, basically. I was told it was because uh, it was for school. But it's like, that was a thing that I felt like was going to happen regardless. So, 
Anyway, um, that's the answer. Uh, Interesting. Share with us on social media. Follow us on social media for the hashtag Closer Through Science. And then let us know the answer to your questions, uh, listeners. We want to know what movie lovers, uh, if you could change anything about the way that you were raised, what would it be? And also, if you have any questions that you want us to answer on this podcast, send them over. Maybe it'll make us get closer. Absolutely. We could even uh, start, you know, replacing the Closer Through Science with... Uh, closer through fans and in, in, in some point in the future. Whoa. Whoa, whoa. We just came up with that idea. Where would where would they email uh, us if they wanted to do that, Danielle? You tell them. ASMR. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so with movies in love at Gmail. With movies in love at gmail.com. Or just text me, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there's only a small contingent of our listeners that will actually have that capability. Okay, okay. Okay. Anyway, all right. Well, thank you all for listening. Uh, Now we're going to put you through the uncomfortable thing where you maybe are going to skip ahead through some brief uh, sponsorships before we return to talk about Miss Congeniality. Hell yeah. In love with movies. Da-da-da. In love with movies. Da-da-da. She's a lady. (laughs) Whoa, whoa, whoa. She's a lady. Talking about... All right, cut cut it there, cut it there, just in case. uh, We don't (laughs) want to get, you know, dinged for, for, you know, not having the rights to that song. Uh, Welcome back, movie lovers. So now we are going to discuss the with movies portion of the podcast. And today we are discussing with... (laughs) Why did you say with? On brand. Oh, Miss (laughs) Congeniality. Yes, we are discussing Miss Congeniality, and uh, Dan- Danny's the one who selected this movie for this month. Obviously. <laughs> I'm a fan of this movie, although while we were watching it, I could clearly tell I am not as big of a fan of this movie as you were, <laughs> um, which is good. So then why don't you tell us your love story, Danny? We'll start with that. What What's your history with this movie? Why do you love it so much? Why is it uh, that you selected it for us? How does it... Help me and our listeners get to know you better. Um, well, I don't remember the first time I saw this movie, just because I just remember always seeing this movie. Okay. <laughs> I think we just owned it, and I watched it probably as soon as it came out. I'm sure this was a movie. We'll have to ask Barb if like she bought for herself, but I ended up watching, or she thought it was a good mother-daughter movie to watch together. Can't remember any of that. I just truly remember thinking, holy cow, this is just a really good movie that shows positive women image like that women are badasses (laughs) like Sandra Bullock does such a great job in this movie of just being like yeah I'm this tiny petite little woman but also I can kick your butt yeah like I was gonna say she doesn't sacrifice the the message at the end is like you don't have to sacrifice femininity to be a badass and you don't have to not be a badass to be feminine yeah or you don't have to be feminine at all if you don't want to true but and I also love, I was thinking about making connections, and maybe we can do this movie one time, uh, a lot like The Ringer, where The Ringer is like something about, you know, the message at the end is it doesn't matter what you might have, what you might think about people based on like stereotype or whatever, they truly are wonderful people and you can get along with them, whatever. Uh, so for Miss Congeniality, like there's this stigma surrounding women who are in beauty pageants, mm-hmm. that they're dumb or that they're vapid or whatever. And then at the end, 
you find out that like she truly loves and cares about them and they're all really intelligent and talented so i just love the idea of like i think i really like movies that break stereotypes and i know this isn't like a tiny little baby way and like not a lot of people are going to be pageant queens or anything. Well, but I also think it was it was pretty groundbreaking for its time. So this yeah. movie was released in 2000, and I think that, I mean, I was watching some of it, and some of it's a little dated in terms a little of bit, modern yeah. definitions of feminism, but, mm-hmm. like, I think it was probably pretty forward for a popular movie of its time. Yeah, I didn't know this was 2000, so it's 20 years old and still gives me all the feels of, like, yeah, women are awesome and can do anything. So yeah. I think that's something, obviously, since it's 20 years old, I was eight when it came out. That it's just, like, a message that's continued to be ingrained in me. And that's where I think loving yourself comes from. It's just, like, having examples of strong female leads and just the message of you can do whatever you want or be whatever you want. Yeah. Totally. I agree. I'm curious, while you were giving that explanation, um, did you ever have a desire to maybe be a pageant girl? I actually was... Uh, in a, I was chosen for like one of Illinois' pageant thingamajiggers. And Wait, what? Do I know this? <clears throat> no, because I didn't participate because we couldn't afford the um, the costumes and stuff. So it was like I, sad yeah, day. I can imagine that would be. And it, it was like, so it was like a child pageant or like a teenager. I was like fourteen, what? maybe. Yeah. What? My mind is being blown right now. I know. Uh huh. It that one was more of like a scholarship program too. It wasn't just like beauty it was talent and all that stuff well i mean all of them are, are scholarship programs correct uh, is, as, as the movie but tells us. my senior year of high school you know this yes. i won miss phoenix so i won the pageant of our high school i was the first ever miss phoenix which means i had to do formal wear casual wear i had to do a talent and i had to answer questions and w- we can get to that part about answering questions um, and how this movie literally inspired me and was the reason, I don't know if it was the reason, but uh, makes me think that I won based on, you know, miscongeniality and how it taught me things. I'm curious. Elaborate. Why wait? Okay, so <laughs> there was the formal wear, which I got to wear this awesome gown. The casual wear, I wore this little green outfit and I threw flowers. And the best part of it was like picking your songs and stuff. So I picked Love Today by Mika when I threw flowers to the audience. And then I picked Man in the Mirror for my formal wear, which these are, if you listen to these songs, they're all songs about self-love and about, like, positivity. (laughs) Sorry. Um, Then I did, obviously, for talent, I did Irish dancing. But I did hip-hop Irish dancing, where I ripped off my wig and um, danced to Missy Elliott. So half Irish dance, half Missy Elliott. It's fun. Um, and then finally there was a question and my question I think had to do with like, why do you, why should we encourage young people to volunteer in their community? And I said like, it helps you not only the people that you're volunteering for, but you to grow as a person, blah, blah, blah. I can't remember exactly what I said because I was so nervous. But before I left the stage, I said, and it leads to world peace and then walked off (laughs) and then I won. (laughs) And in my acceptance speech, I said, and I really do want world peace. And I said this in front of hundreds and hundreds of people. So like this movie clearly was just ingrained in me. And obviously I did it to be (laughs) funny, but like it was just a motivator to be like, hell yeah, I am Miss Congeniality in my real life and I'm talented and I also want world peace. So yeah, I don't know. You knew that, right? 
I knew about the Miss Phoenix thing. Yes. You yes. didn't know I used world peace in my... I'm not sure I remember that part. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I was going to say, actually, because I had to look up what Miss Congeniality is. Oh, really? Yeah, I did not know this. Can you... So, you, you uh, we obviously know I can be a bit pedantic. Uh, can you explain to our listeners, if they don't know, that what Miss Congeniality is? It's basically... if you, Most likely not the winner, but the award for, like, the best personality slash kindest or best person. And what I found is that it typically is voted on upon by the uh, the the other pageant uh, participants. Mm-hmm. So actually, like, in that case for Miss Phoenix, you may have been Miss Congeniality, but you, you were, more importantly, like, the winner. I was the winner. You were the pageant queen. Yeah. But also, I, I know a lot about Miss Congeniality in um, the drag world, too, because there's always, like, RuPaul's winner, and then there's always a Miss Congeniality. Gotcha. That, that makes a lot of sense. Is it called Miss Congeniality? I think it is. I, I, I'm not sure. Yeah. I, know, I know I had to... I think it probably is because one of the first things when I tried to Google what Miss Congeniality was was for Drag Race. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Very cool. All mm-hmm. right. Well, uh, yeah, I, I, I appreciate... Uh... Yeah, so clearly this movie had an impact on who I was growing up. <laughs> yes. And and clearly you, you recognized the sort of comedy of the irony of, of talking about world peace, but then also being like, yeah, I genuinely actually kind of want that thing. Yeah, but also that's another reason I love this movie is because it talks about like serious topics. Like, it does talk about gun tr- control actually a little bit. And also just like... Um, not giving into stereotypes and that women are badasses and all that. But it also is so funny. I was laughing so hard. Multiple times here, I wrote down basically the equivalent of Sandra Bullock is a fucking comedy genius. Like, I was just like, so many things that she was doing, I was like, could not stop laughing. She's so funny in this movie. I also love the setup, the premise. I I actually wrote down to, not to like jump some other direction, but kind of like going back to the beginning of the movie... And I'm feeling it because you said, oh, like, you can be a badass or you can be whatever woman you want. I forgot, like, how good they, like, this movie is, to me, a masterclass in how to, like, set up your character and mm-hmm. their, like, motivations and things like that. That scene on the playground and the very first minutes where she's, like, going to help defend the kid who's being bullied. And, so like, she's a kid at the beginning of the movie. Yes, thank you. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, so on the playground, she's a child. There's some other children being bullied and she walks over and the, the child who's being bullied happens to be a man or a young boy. Uh, anyway, long story short, like punches or beats up the bully. Everybody scares away. And then the kid is like, turns on her. And like, He's like, I didn't need your help. Now everyone thinks that I'm a wussy because I got defended. A girl defended me. And then she ends up punching him. Yes. <laughs> and I was just like, yes. That is such a brilliant opening to a movie. And also to set up that Sandra Bullock is, she takes no crap from no one. Correct. Like, and just because she had just defended you, like, it does not mean that you are free from, uh. Misogyny. Yeah, if you're being a misogynistic <laughs> asshole, she's still going to let you know about it. Uh, which I thought was was very cool, and then obviously we go right into like her being an FBI agent. So it's like the like you get her personality set up in that like sixty seconds of that little clip of a flashback, mm-hmm. and then you get like the next scene is kind of about her being a underappreciated FBI agent. Which I think like wow, that's that's what those are the two sort of critical motivations of this character. I thought it was a really well done job. Yeah, and it goes straight into actually, it doesn't show like who she is. Then they just show her at a restaurant, and then you're like, what is happening? What's going on? And she's actually undercover because she's in this, like, FBI... Um, sting, I think, operation. Sting. That's what they're called? Sting operations, yes. Okay. Well, yeah, they're trying to catch, like, some <laughs> mafia guys or mob guys or whatever. Yes. Um, but it goes wrong, 
and she gets herself in trouble because the guy starts choking. The guy that they're trying to kill starts choking and she's like, I'm not going to let him go this way. And then things get really bad from there because he didn't die. (laughs) And it's literally like a rehash of what just happened on the playground because like she feels bad for this person who's like a bad person goes to help him. He turns on her like the person that she was protecting turns on her. And then a moment later, because he turned on her, she like is the one who steps on his foot, like elbows him in the belly and then, uh, you know, arrests him. Yeah. And so just as a movie creation tool as a whole, this movie does such a great job of setting up foreshadowing in multiple ways. So I, when you said she steps on his foot and then yep. that is sing, which she does later for her talent. It's mm. like solar plex, instep, nose groin. Yep. She does that, and you don't even know that that's something that's coming up later, but she does that. Um, then they're joking around, and he calls her Gracie Lou Freebush or something. That becomes her name, Gracie Lou Freebush. Um, I think she calls herself that. Oh, yeah. Which is even better. And then I'll get back to the other uh, foreshadowing things when we get further in the movie. But, yeah, so it's set up where she gets herself in trouble. Um, but then they – because – one of her coworkers gets shot because of her, which is not good. He's fine, but he just like got shot in the arm, which is not good. Um, so she's kind of on the shit list of the director. Yep. Um, and then they find out that there's this citizen. citizen. So I, I totally forgot about like the mechanism that led to them knowing that they needed to go to the the uh, Miss United States Miss pageant. United States pageant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the whole citizen bit, and like there's clearly this history of this serial like terrorist. Mm-hmm. Um, which was an interesting idea in itself, I mm-hmm. feel like. Yeah, uh, and it, it's also set up that she is, like, the best person for uncovering these letters and, like, understanding their meaning and being there, and they don't let her do any of that because she got herself in trouble. I Well, it's not even just that. I guess maybe it is because that I, but the, the coffee scene, which was hilarious with her ordering Starbucks. Oh, yeah. But then I literally have in all caps, she has to get coffee? Like, is that because she messed up, or is that because she's the woman? Yeah, that is true. I thought it was because she messed up, but then they, I think they don't take her seriously in a lot of the things that she says, yeah. n- not only because she messed up, but because she is a woman. Yeah. If a man had done that same thing, they would still listen to her. That's what I think Him. too. Yeah. So, um, eventually they're like, figure out they have to go undercover at the Miss United States pageant because of her, because she, I think she brings it up and is like, oh yeah, this is where it would be. Uh, that scene actually does happen where she brings it up and then it goes, oh, that's good because that's exactly what the analysts said. There was, like, some team of analysts that wasn't part of their team. And so, like, the guy she told it to already knew. But still, she figures it out. It Correct. shows that she's intelligent. And she figured it out on her own as mm-hmm. opposed to being a team of analysts. Yeah. But anyway. So then they're trying to find a woman that could go undercover. They have find one, and they're, like, that whole scene where they're on a computer undressing the agents. Wow. Yeah. That's... It is... Speaking so- of dated things... And I was watching it, and I was like, this is dated. But, but then I was like, this is funny. hilarious, where they're trying to figure out what people would look like in bathing suits. And, and I do appreciate that, like, it started off as sort of a purely misogynistic thing, mm-hmm. but then became, like, they're just literally putting everyone in. Yeah, yeah, their captain, they're undressing him to see what he looks like in a bathing suit. And yeah. It's very funny. Um, but the one woman that they want, who's beautiful and young and blah, 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 happens to be on maternity <laughs> leave. I know. <laughs> So then they don't even... This is one thing that gets me, and obviously it's movie-making tropes. They don't even think of Sandra Bullock. Of course. They're like, we wouldn't even put her in this pageant because they wanted women under 35, blah, blah, blah. When she's beautiful! Sandra Bullock is one of the most beautiful women. 
that is the one thing that I feel like it was very much the sort of like what 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 '80s movie was it? Pretty in Pink that kind of like troped this and made it a thing where it's like the ugly duckling that like you know when you put a comb through her hair, all of a sudden mm-hmm. she's beautiful. It's like. I don't care if her hair is frizzy and she's wearing glasses. She's a bombshell, period. Yes. But they do a really good job of making her look frumpy. True. And, like, the way she walks and carries herself, she's just, like, frumpy. Which is why, like, even though the technology obviously wouldn't exist, it's like, oh, if you take her out of that sort of non-forming fit clothing, Mm -hmm. and, like, frumpy being non-forming fit, all of a sudden you see the body that is underneath, and you're like, oh, I could see that being a pageant person. Yeah. But anyway, she becomes Gracie Lou Freebush. Her name is Grace Hart. Gracie Lou Freebush. <laughs> Just the best name ever. Um, and she has to go undercover in the Miss United States pageant. And it's funny when they first meet with Miss Morningside and William Shatner. I forget his name. Pat. Okay. We'll something or other. Um, they're like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, fine, whatever. For the safety of the girls, who are you going to um, put this? Who is going to be your person? And they point, she's sitting right in the room. And they're, what? Oh, I can't do that. So offended. And then they give her this expert who is Michael Caine. His name is... Michael Caine. Victor something or other. Michael Caine. Anyways, and he makes her beautiful. But what I do love about it is that even though on the outside, they like plucked her eyebrows and waxed her and stuff. As she's walking out to, she's a lady. After like, Hours and hours of undergoing all these procedures. She falls flat on her face. Oh my god. I, I had a note in here. The pratfall happens several times in this movie. And it never gets old. Yes. Like, from the first moment of her, like, in the middle of, like, having the makeover and she trips. Mm-hmm. Then, like, her having her very hot, like, hot reveal moment and she trips. All the way through to when it happens. She gets to top five. The and then she falls in front just, of everyone. I lost yeah. it every time. She is... A comedic genius in yeah, musical comedy. Very funny. Um, yeah, so they make her pretty, blah, blah, blah. They rig the Miss United States pageant. Um, but then while that's happening, they find out that the citizen is a woman, and everyone's like, oh, my gosh, a woman. And then they start looking for a woman. And then they find a guy, and they're like, oh, wait, just kidding, it's that guy. So then they, like, pack up and abandon the, uh, what do you call it, mission. Well, they didn't find that the the citizen was a woman. What they found is that the most recent letter somehow revealed female DNA, but also I guess that means that previous letters had not included DNA. It was, but I guess that's the crux that ends up being what Sandra Bullock puts together of like this most recent letter isn't really from citizen. It's from Miss Morningside. Correct. Yeah. So Miss Morningside, I can't remember her name in real life. That's fine. Anyways, she's a... Uh, oh, you mean... Wait, sorry. I thought you meant, like, the the uh, first name. You mean the actress? Mm-hmm. It is Candace Bergen, or Bergen. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that correct. Yeah, so, kind of well-known, I think, for... Yeah, she's been in some stuff. Yeah. But she... It turns out... Spoiler alert. It's her who's trying to... <laughs> okay, it's a little ridiculous what she's trying to do. Trying to blow up, physically blow up Miss United States <laughs> with the crown because she is getting fired from her job. And she was Miss United States like 20, 30 years ago, but she was actually the runner up. But then the uh, actual Miss United States mysteriously got food poisoning. So <laughs> she won. Suspicious. Don't, <laughs> Don't be, be suspicious. suspicious. Don't, Don't be suspicious. suspicious. 
<laughs> um, I love that we both just broke into that. Yeah. But what I do love about this movie is that they still show that all the men don't believe Sandra Bullock. And she's like, right. screw you guys. This is bad news. I'm going to stay here. She stays on her own after going through all of the rounds of Miss United States and actually making it to the top five on her own, which, again, I love that part of the movie that shows that she's talented, that she's... Um, Poised. Yes. For, eh. <laughs> Sorry, I was just gonna start like going listing the thing. She's talented and poised. She's. I love the scene when Shatner's singing and he just never breaks. Like literally, things are like on fire and burning as the announcement is happening. Sandra Bullock is trying to rip the crown off of the other girl's head when she's trying to save her life, and Shatner's just like, no, 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 like he's just going through it like it's nothing. That was hilarious. She's Miss United States. Anyways, so Sandra Bullock's like, nope, I have a feeling about this. And her boss is like, well, you already messed up once. This is basically it. Turn in your gun. Turn in your badge. Yeah. So she stays as her own person and saves the pageant. She figures it out at the last moment that the crown is going to blow up. But her, her boyfriend comes back. Eric. His name's Eric Matthews. And I remember that because also Boy Meets World is Eric Matthews. Obviously. But his name is it's Benjamin Brett. That's the character. Well, the actor, yes. Yeah. Um, who is in love with her, but like only sees her as a dude, but still is in love with her. You think I'm gorgeous. You want to kiss me. <laughs> so there's like this whole sexual tension thing the whole time. And I wrote down, he's a bit chauvinistic. A bit? <laughs> but still, even though this movie is 20 years old, I think it still works because it proves that he is treating her like one of the guys. Yeah, definitely. I, I actually wrote down that, like, another note, we talk about this a lot on this podcast, like, the way that relationships that are supposed to then work out are depicted on the screen is problematic at best. Like, they're basically antagonistic towards each other the entire time. Um, but as you're talking, and as I was thinking about it, it is closer to, I think, a real thing where, like, you might have a friend who you just see them as a friend, but you do get to know them, you do grow to appreciate them and the person that they are, and then you suddenly are able to see, like, oh, I could also see them as, you know, a romantic partner. Yeah, so they fall in, I, they're believable. They fall in love with each other, and I think that what I do appreciate about this movie is that they don't kiss until the very end scene, so it's not like it's not about the romance or anything. It's literally about Sandra Bullock saving a bunch of women <laughs> from a murderer. <laughs> so that's great. Um, Cheryl from Rhode Island <laughs> is my favorite character. <laughs> She's. <laughs> uh, date. Describe your perfect date. Um, I'd have to say April 25th because <laughs> it's not too hot, not too cold. All you need is a light jacket. Anyways, the actress who plays Cheryl from Rhode Island is hysterical. She hysterical. just like. So innocent, so cute, and just, like, very genuinely believable. And then she gets flaming batons and wins Miss United States. Yeah. And, of course, she's the one that Sandra Bullock needs to steal the crown from. Otherwise, her head's going to blow up. <laughs> that is some morbid stuff. I like, agree. I, I do not remember that specific. And now, like, I guess maybe as an adult, I was able to actually picture what that would look like. And I was just like, that's messed up. Yeah. Other parts of this movie I love are... What is your absolute favorite scene? What's your favorite part? That's not fair. Yes, it is. Uh, Give me your top three. Well, I really like where after Michael Caine leaves and she's on her own and she goes, okay, which one of these is lipstick? And all the girls come to help her put her makeup on and like, even though they're in competition and Texas is a bitch, 
the girl who <laughs> is from Texas in the there movie. There was no shade being thrown to the state of Texas <laughs> right now, even though maybe it deserves some. Texas character is a biatch, but they all still like genuinely help each other. And I think there's little things like that that you can see in the movie. Woman power, women can help each other. It's good when women support each other. Like that's just stuff that gives me goosebumps. I also think that both times she does her talent are my, probably my favorite. Which the first time when she just <laughs> does water glasses, she makes water glasses go. <laughs> How'd that go again? <laughs> and she does a little song, but that's because she has no talent, according to Victor and according to herself. And then the second time, the women drink her water glasses so they're out of tune. So she shows self-defense. And I love that they put that in a Miss United States pageant. That, like, she makes it to top five because she's showing that women can defend themselves. And it, it, they obviously make it a comedic thing. And mm-hmm. they kind of make it what ends up being clearly the thing that gets her to the top five. Like, yes. is that everyone in the audience is, like, really appreciative and really astounded by it. And it was a pretty cool scene. Yeah. Um, And then... I think just the ending, it comes together so well. I wrote down, holy cow, I'm feeling so much anxiety right now. Isn't it scary? Oh, with the, yeah, like legitimate tension. When though. you know that the crown is going to blow up and then <laughs> it's like so loud. It's at the moment where she, Cheryl wins Miss United States and uh, Sandra Bullock's like, don't take the crown, don't take the crown. And she's like, I know, I got the crown. <laughs> I love when she starts pulling it off. I wrote down, she starts beating her with her flowers. She's trying to beat Sandra Bullock away with the flowers. Yeah. Everyone else is just assuming that she's, you know, a pageant gone crazy. queen gone nuts with jealousy because she didn't win. Yeah, but she's trying to save everyone in there. Yeah. Um, and so that moment was super tense, but they do it such a good job of just like building the tension and, and then having her save all these women. Yeah. And I think the audience too. You know, like she could have blown, a, blown up the whole explosion. place. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It was pretty big. What was your favorite part? Ooh. Um, that's hard. I think maybe like just a lot of the scenes with her and Victor with, with Michael Coyne. Like I wrote down one of his lines that just, I lost it when she's going to town at that lunch the first time. And he says something <laughs> Can you put down that half-masticated cow? And, like, the fact that he, like, uses such highfalutin language, I, I, I at one point in my past, had to look up what the word masticated means. It means chewed. I'm away. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so, like, the fact that he's just, like, half-masticated cow. And, like, I had to take it, because I had to think about what the that word meant, it took me a moment to realize the joke that was happening. And then, like, that I really appreciated. But then also... Her scenes with him on the plane, I wrote down again. Like, she is just hilarious when she is, like, trying to get in his face and making him feel uncomfortable. And every time she tries to put a donut in her mouth (laughs) and he takes it away. (laughs) Yes. And replaces it with a carrot or celery. And then she tries to walk away and she gets sniffed by a police dog. And she's (laughs) like, fine, you donut Nazi! Because she tries to steal donuts. It's just, that's very funny to me. Yeah, it was good. Super hilarious. Let me ask you another question. Okay. How many times do you think you had seen this movie? Give me a ballpark. 25 to 30 at least. Yeah. I I feel like this is one of those few movies where that's the case. You have not seen many movies that often. No. But like, I was impressed because I know we've been together for six years. We've never watched it together. I know. I realized that. I was like, man, it's been way too long since I've seen this movie. So the fact that we've never watched it together makes me know that it's been a while since you'd seen it. But the moment they start singing the Miss United States song together, you immediately... 
immediately joined them. It was ingrained <laughs> deep within the recesses of your memory. From sea to shining sea, <laughs> like Lady Liberty. Anyways. My point exactly. It's Thank just, you. yeah. Um, sorry, I keep getting yelled at for not being close to the microphone. Yelled at? I haven't yelled at you once. <laughs> your hand gestures. I just want um, our our listeners to be able to hear you. So I also had another uh, question. In mm-hmm. case you have one, do you have one for me? Nope. Okay. Next question then. Mm-hmm. With this movie mm-hmm. and with Legally Blonde being one that I know from your past, you had watched a lot of. Mm-hmm. And we kind of talked about when we watched Legally Blonde, your thinking about doing law or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. I'm interested because there is this sort of obviously there's female empowerment, which. I'm sure it's part of the reason you identified, but they both tend to be like with law enforcement, law, uh, legal things and or politics. I'm wondering, like, did you also think about law enforcement in addition to uh, being a lawyer? No, definitely not. But I did at one point want to be a um, history teacher. And I think that had to do with like the law and the criminal justice system and all that stuff. Okay, all that stuff. All that stuff. No, I sorry to all law enforcement people out there i've never once wanted to do that but i did want to be a badass like sandra bullock and maybe that's i got the pageant part out of it (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so overall this is one of my favorite movies of all time yeah yeah so i'm going to go ahead and predict then what your would you renew your vows answer will be uh yeah i think i'll probably watch this like next week (laughs) because i forgot how good it is uh, we did only rent it digitally. I, I debated whether we should buy it. We have it in DVD somewhere. Yeah, it's just packed away at this point. Yeah. We'll find it. Yeah. Um, what about you? Would what, you renew your vows? Me? Oh, would I renew my vows? Yes. In fact, I almost liked it, I think, more than I remembered. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are definitely some things that date it, which will ding its heart rating for me. But it, like, overall... I thought similar to you. I was like, man, that's been, it's been a long time since I saw this movie and I forgot how enjoyable this movie is. Yeah. I feel like, cause this was obviously during a time period when Sandra Bullock was like top star. She was amongst, you know, top three build probably at the time. And mm-hmm. you see why, like she is mm-hmm. brilliant at the comedic moments. She's brilliant at the dramatic moments. The, the ability to like deliver some of the lines that she delivers, but also be able to make such an awesome pratfall is a unique thing in an actor or actress, I think. Yeah. I, looking back at this movie, watching it again, there's still nothing wrong with it. Like, I couldn't find a single thing where I'm like, I don't like that. It was, even though there were some lines that were a little more chauvinistic. Uh, there's some straight up homophobia in this. Yeah, they do have some lines because Victor is gay. Yes. Yeah. Um, Which, unfortunately, in 2000, it was like, oh, my God, you have a major blockbuster that has a gay character. And Michael Caine plays a gay guy. Which, which is like, just... that was like, yeah, a thing. That was enough for it to be progressive at the time. Whereas yeah. it also, all of the gags between him and Benjamin Bratt's character are basically like Benjamin Bratt constantly being afraid that he is actually sexually attracted to him. God forbid. You're right. Okay. Anyway. Still. This movie holds up 100% for me. You want to know how many hearts I give it? How many hearts? How many do we do it out of? Out of five. <laughs> ten. I knew it. I was, was going to say, it's going to be more than whatever the number is. <laughs> ten, out of, ten out of five hearts, huh? Yes. How about you? Um, I think I give it four. <gasps> like, I got to give it a little bit of a, a little bit of a ding. I could, I could, 
depending upon whether we, we debate this, how like what fractions or percentages we can do or decimals. I mean, uh, I might bring it up to like a 4.25. I basically okay. think it should get like a, a solid B to a B plus, uh, but not like a perfect movie in A. It shouldn't get a uh, five in my book. Okay. Well, you're wrong, but. <laughs> you be your true self. That's okay. <laughs> And it was just very enjoyable. So if you guys are looking for something to do, for a movie being 20 years old and still being this uh, relevant, yes. yeah. I just think it's it's fantastic. Very true. So go back, rewatch Miss Congeniality, giggle at all the things. Also, I kind of already quoted this, but it has one of the most iconic movie moments of all time. That is quoted so many times, especially on April 25th, when you ask about your perfect date. So it just like still is relevant and is still in our... Um, Zeitgeist? It's yes, very good. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's actually that to me, like, and the fact that's become a meme is kind of equivalent to whatever whatever date it is when uh, October tenth. Aaron Samuels in Mean Girls asks for a pencil or a pen or whatever it was. On October tenth, he asked me what day it was. It's October tenth. <laughs> is it October twelfth, guys? I'm so sorry if I forgot. I forget. Um. Anyways, yeah, Miss Congeniality, great movie. It still gives me all the feels. At the end, I was like, yeah. If Very you're happy. listening to this, and I feel like most of our listeners, if they've listened to this, probably have already seen the movie, so hope, obviously we're not spoiling it for them. But if it's been a while since you've seen it, because I feel like that could be the case for you, go give it another watch. It's definitely worth it. Yeah, and it's a great female power movie. Damn right. Damn right. All right. Well, I think that's everything we have to say, yes? I love you, Nicholas. I love you, Danielle. Right. And we love you, listeners. Bye. Bye-bye. We really want world peace. Follow us on Twitter at iWithMovies, Facebook at Facebook.com slash WithMoviesInLove, and Instagram at InLove underscore WithMovies. You can email us questions or love topics that you want us to talk about at WithMoviesInLove, all one word, at gmail.com. That's WithMoviesInLove at gmail.com. We really do want to hear from you. Any original music on this podcast is written by Danny Smith. And the podcast is produced and edited by my husband, Nick Baldwin. We did it!